You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series, Books and Movies. Now looking at Heaven is for Real. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. In this podcast, I'll be commenting on the New York Times number one bestseller, Heaven is for Real. It's written by Todd Burpo, who's the father of Colton Burpo, who at age three years and ten months visited heaven and returned, according to his account. The full title is Heaven is for Real, a little boy's astounding story of his trip to heaven and back. And no matter what your position on this issue, I think you will agree it is astounding. No wonder it's become a bestseller. During emergency appendix surgery, Colton, three years and ten months old, had an unusual experience while under anesthesia. He says that he visited heaven and saw Jesus. He was there for three minutes, though as you read the book, it seems like an entire day's worth of activities uh, were crammed into those three minutes. He also insists he did not die, and there was no record of him actually dying on the table which makes his near-death experience a little bit different to those of others. Why the story seems genuine? The author has a very winsome style. We're inclined to trust him because he's a Bible-centered Christian pastor. He's personable and shares a lot from his life. And he emphasizes how he and his wife repeatedly made the effort not to lead their little boy on, not to put words in his mouth. In other words, not to affect the way he told the story. They really wanted to understand what had happened. Of course, this is a topic nearly everyone is interested in. Very few are disinterested in their own deaths. And the truth is, near-death experiences have got a lot of press in the last few decades. My Swedish teacher had an experience. She was a very level-headed woman who recounted to me her story when she was in her 60s. And so this is something that's been out for a long time. I think it resonates with popular culture. Even if for many people, church and doctrine are out of favor, spiritual experiences have never been out of favor. Oh, one other reason I think the book has done so well, it's a very easy read, laid out in a a nice uh, format. You can finish it in a sitting. Well, I I finished it in two sittings because I was taking notes. Well, if you look at the notes that accompany the podcast, you'll find the references to the page numbers of nearly everything I mention. I want to be fair. And also, if you come to a different conclusion than I did, and you may well, uh, this allows you to uh, check what I've said and to make sure that I'm handling the text that is this book in a fair way. When Colton is up in heaven, he has knowledge that his parents are praying for him. In fact, he knows that his mother and father are in separate rooms and that his mother is on the telephone. He also experienced an out-of-body sensation, which is common during surgeries and near-death experiences. And he says that he was above himself, above his body. Of course, some things uh, that are claimed are more impressive than others. Knowing that his uh, father is a pastor, it would not be surprising if he expected that his parents were praying for him. 
And if he knows that his mother is quite vocal, he might have guessed that she was on the phone. I'm not, in this review, intending to rule out the possibility that something miraculous happened. All I'm trying to do is explain how this story compares with what the Bible says. When he goes to heaven, Colton sees Jesus, who has a rainbow horse. Jesus is wearing white clothes, and he has a purple sash. He looks at his feet and his palms, and he sees red marks, which, of course, the parents interpreted as wounds or the stigmata. Later, he was able to recognize a picture of Jesus, which was vouched for by a little girl who had gone to heaven. And that sketch is actually in the book itself. If you look at the picture of Jesus, he has light eyes. It looks to me like he has streaks in his hair and that his hair has been permed. Well, it, it's, a, it's not a bad picture, though it doesn't look uh, particularly Semitic, at least to my eye. So he recognized Jesus. He even recognized the Holy Spirit as a distinct being. And the Father, that is God the Father, uh, the boy describes as really big. Colton sees many other humans in heaven, especially children, and he names many of them. Now, the details that this four-year-old is relaying are not all given at the same time. They actually come out in the weeks and months of following uh, his very serious time. In fact, later, the hospital staff uh, had made a note to themselves that it didn't look very good. But he did pull through, of course. And so these, uh, the story doesn't come out all at once. It's spread over a period of time. I have a little bit of a problem. Actually, I have a big problem with him seeing people in heaven. Did he bypass the second coming of Jesus? In John 14, we read that people will be taken to heaven only after Jesus comes back. And I know it's very popular to posit some kind of a time warp. But if that got you around John 14, it wouldn't really get you around John 3. John 3.13, where Jesus says that no one has gone up to heaven. And there are a number of uh, biblical statements that are questionable. For example, the boy sees a literal battle of Armageddon. The humans in heaven have wings and halos. That reminded me of a book I had, I read, mainly looked at the pictures, when I was very small. And it was called uh, The Littlest Angel, where uh, people who died went to heaven and they got wings and halos. And it's very much the traditional um, way that people look at it, although, of course, it, it, it contradicts what Jesus said in Matthew 22. He sees, now there are a couple things that are, that are really uh, remarkable. He sees his grandfather, who he had actually never met. But the grandfather is a younger man, apparently in his 30s. Colton was unable to recognize from photographs his grandfather until much later when he saw a picture of his grandfather when he was about half the age he was when he died. And he recognized him instantly, which is certainly very spooky. His mother... The boy's mother was very shocked because, as far as she knew, her father was not a Christian. 
Later, it came out that he had attended some kind of revival meeting and he had asked Jesus to come into his heart. But then for the next 28 years, that is until he died in his early 60s, the knowledge that he had uh, been converted never made it to his daughter. Perhaps he kept it, kept it privately. Uh, of course, the red flags are going up here because I'm thinking, well, if you have to be a Christian to be in heaven, if it's that awesome, which I certainly think it is, wouldn't you have told everyone you knew and certainly your own family members? And so that's a little wishy-washy. Uh, also remarkable, though, he talks to his sister, his dead sister. He has a living sister. And the parents had apparently never told him about a miscarriage. It was a fetus. It was female about two months into the pregnancy. He talked to his sister, and later on, he's crying, and he just he misses her. He, he can't wait to get to heaven and see her again. And, of course, this kind of story truly tugs on the heartstrings of the reader, just as it tugged on the heartstrings of the boy's mother. In heaven, he saw literal thrones. And I would say much of what he saw, to me, seems to come from the popular evangelical a picture of heaven, a combination of Sunday school art and just normal evangelical preaching. So he has uh, Jesus on a throne on the right of the Father. And they, he pointed out that he was on this side, and correctly, on the right side. And the angel Gabriel, or archangel, was sitting on the left side. I, I don't know biblically how defensible that is, but that's the way the boy told it. And also, he describes heaven with many of the details that characterize the new Jerusalem at the end of the book of Revelation. You know, the gates are pearls and the streets are gold. Of course, the problem with that is that the new Jerusalem is never said to be heaven. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says it comes down out of heaven. So we have a couple of problems. One is that it never claims to be heaven. And secondly, that the details are literalized. Colton sees power shooting down on his father when his father preaches. This is the Holy Spirit coming down on his father. Very similar to the common evangelical notion of being anointed by the Spirit when, when you preach the Word of God. A couple other things that he saw. Angels carry swords in heaven. The Battle of Armageddon is fought with swords and boys and arrow, uh, bows and arrows, little boys' toys. And last and very interesting, he sees dogs in heaven. Well, can we explain this? I think it's easy to uh, rationalize most of the details, quite easy. Even the theology. You'd say, well, isn't it somewhat advanced that he sees the Trinitarian God? He sees the Holy Spirit, he sees the Son, he sees the Father. Well, I would say that a nearly four-year-old boy would have heard a great deal of talk about God in the Bible. You might say, well, how much would he understand? The level of understanding he shows is, I think, probably right on course uh, with uh, what you would expect a boy nearly four who'd grown up in a believing household with Bible stories in church to have comprehended. It's not so easy to account for the details of the miscarried sister and the grandfather, assuming they aren't fictive or exaggerated. Yet we have to weigh the work as a whole. 
We're not required to accept everything in the book just because one or two of the details defies explanation. What I'm saying is, maybe he did have some miraculous knowledge of his sister who was never born, but that doesn't mean that he saw the Battle of Armageddon or that dead humans have wings and halos. But really, let me tell you why the book fails to persuade. All the details sound like they've come from Sunday school pictures, children's Sunday school pictures. The story strongly supports evangelical theology. As most Protestants believe, we die and go straight to heaven, even though the early church did not believe this. In fact, this idea only came into vogue a few hundred years ago. It supports a literal battle of Armageddon. It takes the picture of New Jerusalem to be heaven. The book enforces the, reinforces the idea of conversion by accepting Christ. Things like this don't make it likely to appeal so strongly to other Protestants or Catholics or Orthodox or non-denominational Christians. In fact, this whole idea that you would die and then go right to heaven seems to contradict the testimony of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the early Christian writers. The author, Todd Burpo, says that Paul went to heaven. Yet in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul goes to paradise, which for early Christians was typically viewed as part of the underworld. And it's interesting to me, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that the experience was so beyond words that it was impossible or perhaps impermissible for him to relay anything. Not a single detail of Paul's visit to paradise is related. Only its ineffability. And so why would we, ex- why would we expect a little child to have not only a, 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 an easier uh, time of articulating it, why, why would we expect that God would withhold from Paul the ability to tell us, whereas this little boy found it so easy? Colton Burpo found no trouble describing everything he saw. And so that makes me think, actually, that the passage his father cited as proof, 2 Corinthians 12, is not really a parallel at all. It actually disconfirms his son's experience. Moreover, the author admits there's a history of mental illness in the family. And that's not a low blow on my part. That's just to admit that there may be a psychological or a strong psychological component. And although it's a very intriguing story, in many places it feels hokey. I wanted to see um, if I wasn't out there too much. And so I contacted a couple of experts. First, I talked to my friend David Bursell. We've been friends for 15 years. Uh, He's written many books. He's an expert on early Christianity and is able very easily to document what the early church taught about where the dead are. Well, David brought up a number of considerations. One, how common hallucinations can be when someone's under anesthesia. He brought up the fact that there have been stories in the past that have been related that have been fraudulent, though this doesn't seem to be a case of that. More uh, relevant, he brought up the issue of Lazarus. In uh, John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, say that he's been there four days. If they're counting inclusively, as I believe, then he's been there at at least around 72 hours in the grave. 
So Lazarus comes back. We never hear anything about what he saw, what he experienced. So none of the details that the, uh, the four-year-old Colton Burpo uh, uh, gives us is backed up from Scripture. The most significant thing that David Bursault said is that this account completely contradicts not just the Bible, but what the early centuries of Christians taught about the afterlife. Namely, that all go to a, a waiting place and not until the second coming and the last judgment will anyone go to heaven or hell for that matter. I've recorded separate podcasts on these topics in the Last Things series. Then I, I contacted um, another man. His name is Gary Habermas. He's an apologist, an historian, and a philosopher of religion. We've met a couple of times, and he's written some very good books. One of his specialties is that near-death experiences because um, these things have happened, well, they probably happened thousands and tens of thousands of times, but hundreds of them have been very well documented. And so, again, neither my nor his point is to suggest that all this is purely psychological or fraudulent. Here's what Gary said. I don't say we know exactly where NDE, near-death experiencers, may go, heaven or otherwise. But there's an incredible amount of evidence that something objective is happening. I think that makes sense, too. Gary is saying that something's happening, but it's beyond our ability to specify exactly what or exactly where the people are. And so when I put in together the, the expert testimony of David Brousseau and Gary Habermas, um, this seems to um, show me that I'm not totally out there, that my suspicion about the story, um, which seems to me exaggerated and, and really seems an amplification of uh, Sunday school stories and pictures, is on track. Something happened. I have no desire to explain it all the way, but the details do not correspond particularly well with the Bible. Despite the often expressed opinions of the boy's pastor father, I'm afraid the account does not impress me as celestial. Whatever little Colton experienced, it was not a visit to heaven. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on books and movies. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.